Hi everyone, welcome to the Martin Smith podcast. And uh, this is amazing uh, that you're all listening to this. Uh, we are crammed into one of the tiniest rooms in a small studio in the belly, the underbelly of Brighton. Mm. It's Brighton Electric, it's quite famous here in Brighton. And anyway, I could talk about that, but more interestingly, I have the most amazing guest today. And uh, I wondered if you could put your hands together. We've got a crew in the room, so a, lot, a bit of crowd participation for Brooke Leisurewood today. Wow. Wow, guys. Thank you. <laughs> How are you enjoying Brighton? I mean, anywhere that you are, Martin, oh. is, is brighter. So, so. It's appropriate. The Brighton <laughs> is brighter. But I you. need to introduce you correctly because there'll be people out there listening to this. And, um, you know, you are one of the most amazing songwriters, worship leaders, but not just that, but also an artist in your own right, also known as Brooke Fraser. So you kind of got two two characters going on. So you've been one of the main leaders in the church worship scene, is what, what we sort of say is really, and uh, writing the most incredible songs that people all around the world have sung. Uh, for years and years, lead me to the cross. What a friend! You know, what a beautiful name. What a friend! Oh no, that's yeah. <laughs> I wish that I wrote that. Someone else in this room did, um, and it's not. What me. a beautiful name! Just I love that song. Massive classic banger mm-hmm. songs. So, um, it's really an honour to be able to interview you today for this, and um, because you're not someone who I've just admired, but you've also become a friend, and and so that's been amazing. But Tell us um, about your upbringing and like, because you're from New Zealand, you know, tell us about that growing up there. Mm. Well, before that, can I hijack your podcast <laughs> momentarily? Because I know that you haven't had many guests on. And so I don't know if I, I feel like I'm trying to do something on behalf of your listeners here is like what I feel like we need to do as well is also just take a minute and um, acknowledge and honour you. No, you're not because allowed you're, to do that. Because no. I know you'll never do that for yourself, nor no. should you. Let not your own We're lips gonna, praise you. Know, you know we'll cut this bit out. And, you, you? and you may, but you, yeah. must, you must allow me to at least record it and then you can delete it later. Yes. But please don't. But, you know, on behalf of, you know, everybody listening, I'm sure, and also um, just so many of us who have um, who have lived in the wake of a world with Martin Smith in it. Um, I'm yawning thank you. Like, no, this, so yeah, this is, yeah. No, but I mean, Can like, you, hurry up, you, hurry up. You, you know, all of the things that you say about me when you're very kind and you're extremely generous, I could say about you a thousand times over and every single person who's one of my contemporaries or peers um, who are, you know, really um, praying about, you know, the times that we're living in and the church and we and talk when 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 we when it when the conversation turns to people who have gone ahead of us and who are still we're so grateful to say are walking alongside us um, who have paved the way um, but been steadfast in the way I think mm. is a really critical uh, point to make. Um, your name comes up 100% of the time. Oh, um, amazing. And I think it's not just about your legacy um, of song, Martin, but also just the legacy of your life and your lived obedience and you and Anna and your incredible brood of children now adults 
uh, themselves, most of them. Um, like, you know, we I was lucky enough, blessed enough to be hanging out at your house last night with a bunch of your kids and just all of them, such uniquely incredible people. They're pretty rowdy, aren't they? Uh, they're amazing, but just like... Quite outspoken, aren't they? They're, they're phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> but just, but you know what, when I, um, if someone said to me, could you just describe the the Smith kids in one word, um, you know what I would say? Free. Oh, I love that. I love that. I always remember... Um, Noah, who's our first boy, get into sort of those teenage years and um, I was out with him somewhere and I did something stupid. <laughs> and he said to me, Dad, you're such an idiot. <laughs> uh, but he didn't say the word idiot. He said something a little bit stronger, yeah. <laughs> which I can't. Um, and uh, I wanted to sort of like slap him around the head or tell him off, you know, but I actually thought about it. I thought, actually, yeah, you're... You're right. <laughs> I am being an idiot right now. And so there's that sort of relationship with them as they grow older, mm. where they, they go from being little kids to then your friends, don't mm. they? Mm. Um, but, yeah, we, they, they're great and, and we, lo- we love having you over. And, but anyway, enough about that because we're talking <laughs> about you. Tell us about growing up in New Zealand because yeah. it's a long way away from yeah. everywhere. It's pretty random, isn't it? Yeah. It's quite a random place. Yeah, like how how did you get from there to, you know, everyone knowing your songs, living a bit in America, living a bit in Sydney, you know what I mean? Mm. Tell us the story. Yeah, I have no idea. You know, all, all that, the, the scripture that comes to mind immediately is that God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Mm. Uh, I am one of the greatest fools of them all. And, um, and I... There is nothing about my life, my uh, parentage, my upbringing, my location, um, anything about me or my life that would um, suggest that God could use me at all. But that isn't that just the story of mm. uh, God's grace that He that He chooses and uses um, the most unlikely. But really, the only qualification is. A willingness and mm. and and also um, I've just really uh, this is not even what you asked me so so bring me back into line but I think um, uh, your I, 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 I behold my life as a miracle not in a prideful mm. way but I think when um, I've I've never clung to an idea of how I would like to be used by God. And I think that that's what I, to anyone listening, that's such a doorway to freedom that I think most people never open Mm. um, is all I've ever wanted to be is his. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Whatever I do or don't do, it's up to him. However he leads me, I'll do it. But I, I I don't want to be anything but his. And then he gets to do what he wants. And And I love that about you. I've always loved that about you. You, you sort of carry that air of you about this is all sort of a big surprise. Mm. Like like it's a wonderment, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. you're talking about my kids, my family, you know, you will get on to you being married and kids and stuff. It's all the grace of God, isn't it? Yes. Like when people all look in to your life or, you know, they see you on stage or whatever, it's, it's like, but you want to say, ah, oh, but mm. literally... It's the grace of God. Like yes. there have been moments where we've looked back for sure and we've been hanging by a thread. Yeah. 
and those are the moments that people don't see so much. Mm. So I think we we live with the frailty yes. a bit more and, and I, I love so much about you. You've always held it so lightly and very pure in heart. But um, do you think, you know, you being from New Zealand, you know, I've been from England, the whole, you know, people listening to this podcast are also thinking... Um, you know, I've been I've been doing this. Why aren't Why aren't I hmm. sort of Brooke? Or why haven't I been given that opportunity? Or is God ever going to like notice me? Hmm. But like you said, you know, coming from New Zealand, me from a little town in Little Hampton, I love that thing about David the shepherd boy, and he's just on the backside of nowhere in a hmm. field tending sheep. But that, but he was the guy that God went after, hmm. and. In the end, you know, the story's written, isn't he? He becomes mm. the leader of Israel. So that should be encouraging, shouldn't mm. it? It should be. And I, and I, here's the other thing about David, because David, we glorify David a bit, don't we? Like we, um, and we, I, maybe not glorify, we celebrate him. Yeah. Rightly. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I think, but if you look at, David actually had a hideous life. <laughs> you know, so I think people uh, we hear, you know, we we get encouraged by these by the by the story of David, this mm. shepherd boy who's, you know, anointed by Samuel, but then doesn't actually uh, take the position he's been anointed for for years and years and years. Yeah. So there's this big long period of waiting and testing and uh, and in persecution by his best friend's father and fleeing for his life and all of these things. And then when he does become king, it's not all rosy. He's, he has failures. Uh, he, um, but, but one of the things I think that we can, can and should celebrate David's life for is that he, um, we're told he had, a um, a heart after the Lord mm. and, uh, and he, uh, constantly inquired of the Lord. He never stopped inquiring of the Lord. But I say all that to say, you know, sometimes we like, you know, Lord, make me like David and, um, you know, anoint me and help me lead your armies and all this stuff. But it, um, it was a, it was a horrible life. Mm. So being anointed, um, uh, doesn't mean you suddenly get delivered into these ideal circumstances. Yeah. But when you are on the, the the right in the center of God's will and living on the knife edge of faith, um, your circumstances are going to be almost constantly mm. challenging and requiring an inquiry of the Lord. Yeah. Um, David never got into a comfortable spot. And so um, I... I hope that that can encourage people that um, being seen by, I, I guess, just not um, hoping for a fantasy, but knowing that when you are in the center of God's will, no matter the hardship and the challenge, yeah. you will be the most satisfied that you can be this side of heaven when you're walking in the will of God. Yeah. But if we want something that isn't actually what he wants for us, we won't actually be happy if yeah. we get it anyway. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I agree with that. And also... You know, in our sort of Western mindset, you know, especially in the music business, there's a tendency for you to think, oh, if I'm not famous by 25 and I've made three albums already, or then I then that, that's my life over. Mm. You know, but with God, it's a long story, isn't it? Yeah. And it's a, it's a whole different metric, isn't it? Mm. When you, you look at your whole life and... Mm writing songs, friendship, being faithful, whatever that is. Um, so, yeah, I, I love that. I, I, I really agree with that. 
But um, do you think that gave you an advantage, sort of, coming from New Zealand? Like, because, uh, you know, a lot of the industry side of what we do comes out of America, mm. especially Nashville. That's the hub for everything. Has that given you a different perspective? I think, yeah, I think all of us, you know, our lives and our upbringings and our um, the cultures in which we're raised or exist um, are really formative for us and I think um, shape the lens through which we see the world more than many of us are aware. And so, you know, when I think about growing up in New Zealand, I am so grateful because there are um, – there are mental obstacles um, that I just haven't had to overcome mm. because of the way I was raised. For example, you know, in New Zealand, we have a really fantastic arts culture mm. um, that is actually really supported by the government. So incredible arts grants. Um, there is, you know, on New Zealand radio, there is a, I don't know what the quota is at the moment, but I, you know, when I first started making music, I think it was something like 30% perhaps of the radio play had to be homegrown music. Wow. So um, I grew up listening to New Zealand artists. I grew up listening to um, women who played their instruments and wrote their own songs. Mm. And so um, I didn't have to fight to find examples of um, of female writers and female musicians it was it never occurred to me that this wasn't uh, an omnipresent fact um, kind yeah. of in the what so I'm so grateful for that so yes we got like you know um, R&B and pop from America and you know the great you know British boy bands and um, you know British grunge and all of these things when I was growing up kind of you know 90s and early 2000s like S Club 7 loved them mm. thank you yep um, but um, but also, you know, I grew up with uh, it with it embedded in my psyche, um, this great kind of homegrown music, which mm. didn't sound like all of these other things that were coming from all these yeah. other places. So I feel really grateful for that. I feel really grateful for, you know, growing up in a country where um, women have n uh, are not second class citizens. So even in my childhood alone in the 80s. Um, in early 90s, we had two female prime ministers. So yeah. even kind of women in leadership yeah. um, was, and, and then once I did become a Christian and started going to church, same thing, there were always females in leadership. So I didn't know that this was even a thing people had an issue with yeah. till I was well into adulthood. Yeah. And, um, and <laughs> Amazing, so yeah. I feel like, that's why I say I feel so grateful for my upbringing and so grateful the cult for the culture in which I was raised and the society in which I was raised, actually, because um, there are just things that I uh, haven't had to overcome mentally, even yeah. if I've found myself in circumstances or situations where other people's mindsets uh, perhaps uh, take some navigating. Yeah. Um, but I feel, yeah, so incredibly thankful for things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah ama amazing. And, I mean, talking of a woman of influence that we both adore, mm. Darlene Check, yes. of course, who wrote the, the amazing song Shout to the Lord. And I was watching a documentary mm. Uh, of her talking about the early days of her, mm. you know, coming up through the music business. And mm. and anyway, she was telling the story about when a record label from America came down to Sydney to film one of the very, very early Hillsong records. Mm. It might have even been the first one, I don't know. Mm. And um, at the last minute, Darlene was put in the hot seat to lead the whole recording and film crew, the whole thing, you know. Mm. 
and these guys have flown down from from America to film it. Well, anyway, there was a slight. It says on the documentary there was a slight panic because oh, like there's a woman fronting this, like, and she's got a trouser suit and like uh, how she how are we going to cope with this? And and they were saying she was the very first ever female artist on the Integrity label. Wow. And that was a huge shift for mm. people in America. Mm. And, I mean, we we both know how amazing she is, but there are these people in our lives that go before, aren't there? Yes. And, you know, what was it like growing up in church, mm. um, being in that mix of Hillsong Church, Sydney, Darlene was the worship pastor, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what influence does she have on your life? Yeah, I mean... When your first worship pastor is Darlene Check, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, game it's over, pretty isn't hard it? <laughs> to top that, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I guess I, it's hard to understate um, Darlene's impact on my life hmm. in so many ways. Yeah. Um, I mean, I when I so I'm from New Zealand, as we've talked about, and I um, I won't go into it, but had this kind of crazy moment where I was in Australia for, at this point I already had, um, my first record was already out on Sony. My first Brooke Fraser record was, had been out for a, a, for months and I had multiple kind of number one radio singles and all that stuff. I say all that to say I wasn't, um, I wasn't kind of looking for anything except a community hmm. um, and randomly ended up in Australia for, a, you know, for work. I was doing a, so- a showcase for Sony Australia and um, some friends um some some people in the band had friends out at Hills, so we went out to a barbecue, and at that barbecue that day, I met the man who was to become my husband, Scotty, yeah. and then yeah, a bunch of the people, yeah, amazing, and a bunch of the people who went on to become my best friends in the world, and I, it, it was more that I, you know, I hadn't even been to the church, but I met these people, and I was like, these are my people. Mm. I found my people, and so I had never planned to move to Australia. But after that trip, was like I need to, I need to be, I need to be with these people, yeah. um, and so so moved over and started going to the church. You know, I second, I had an established mainstream career, so this was not, and I didn't have an under, have really a, um, any kind of broad revelation of. Uh, um, worship as a genre or anything like that. Like I, I, I did to an extent, but in terms of I, that wasn't for me. Mm. I, um, I was making and, you know, went on to, you know, I still am in a way making, you know, mainstream music. And so um, I started, you know, obviously coming along to the church and would serve however I need. I mean, remember the first women's conference, I volunteered cleaning, um, encouraging lipstick messages off mirrors <laughs> in the girls' bathrooms. Yeah. And, um, but, but Dahl's um, embraced me with so much warmth. And I remember the first team night that I came to and her just kind of picking me out of the crowd and, and prophesying over me. And she just brought me in and she um, and she asked me if I uh, would uh, lead, if I remember correctly. Wow. And I was like, I, I don't really do that. Like yeah, I, I don't know how to I do don't, that. Like, I know how to lead myself in my bedroom. Yeah. Um, and I obviously I sing on a stage all the time, but but singing is not worship leading. Mm. I I I was warring enough in my room in the spiritual to understand that these were not the same thing, yeah. and also that that was a part of my relationship with God that I had not 
put on the stage. Mm. Um, and that felt strange to yeah. me. The, the concept of that still does, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but you are brilliant at that, and and I and I would imagine you grew into that, right? Well, it was just I. But I do remember the first. I mean, Dom, who's one of uh, my, or he is really my entire team, <laughs> who's here. You know, he language is very important. So you won't in our camp, you won't ever hear us using words like shows or performances yeah. or gigs or things like that. Mm. When it comes to ministry, it's not that, and the language is very important because the language sets the culture. The mm. language sets the tone of the culture. And um, and so oh, anyway, I say that to say I remember the first time I led and um, I felt like I, not to be graphic, um, and I've probably shared this story before and I know, <laughs> what's his name? Your friend who's probably mortified, who probably never listened oh, to this yes, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I did, but I really did feel like I'd showed my boobs to everybody. It right. felt that vulnerable, but also that almost violating in a way. And I went home and I cried and I cried and I cried because this was this part of my relationship with the Lord and expressing my affection to him and singing to him had only ever been ours. And I could cry now talking about it because I still feel that way. It's still that sacred to me. Um, and it's not a performance and it's not for um, people. It's, I, and so now when I'm leading, I, I, I want to obviously use it to serve the people in the room, but it has to always first and foremost be be his. Yeah. And so um, I would say I I have grown into the um, the appreciation of the sacredness of being able to serve people in this way. Um, but I have to I have to keep it in a place in my heart where it's a sacrifice. Mm. Otherwise um, I've missed I've missed it and and it belongs to him first and foremost in it. And it has to, otherwise, like, what are we even talking about? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's amazing. I mean, great to have the word boobs on a podcast. I think it's just yeah. so postmodern. I can go further if you like. Um, but no, no, we, won't, we, we don't have <laughs> to. I think people get the idea. But, <laughs> but what I think, it's only when you look back on your mm. life sometimes, isn't it? And you, you realise the gift that certain people have been. Mm. Can you imagine, like, if you'd have got into or grown up in a church where the the people, you know, church people, mm. who whether it's the leaders or the workers, saying, hey, we want the the Brook worship leader bit because mm. that sort of helps us. That mm. makes our thing great. But could you just stop doing the Brook Fraser thing because mm. that's a bit annoying. Yeah. And anyway, we don't really understand it. Mm. Why would you want to do that anyway? Mm. You know, you're a Christian, you're a church person. Why would you want to go and make mainstream records? Mm. And I think a lot of people listening to this um, will will be thinking, ah, right, this is amazing. Like, I found someone who does both. And, you know, why do you think we struggle with that so much? Um, you know, in, in, in our churches, we, we sort of have, have a block on that a little bit. All these incredibly creative people that want to do both. Yeah. I think we have a sometimes I, I think the enemy's really good at um at trying to make God smaller. Hmm. And and trying to make uh the concept of ministry so small and uh boxed. 
Um, and unfortunately, he succeeds all too often. Um, but, uh, you know, whether you're a, a nurse or a teacher or a stay-at-home parent or a, oh, my gosh, Martin, you have a tiny spider hanging. Like, hang on, no, no, it's actually, turn around. Just oh. Turn around, look at that, look at that wall. Okay, it's like in your hair now. <laughs> They're crawling all over. It's like tiny. Hang on, it's... Oh, hang on, wait, wait. Stop. Crawling all over my it, man I boobs. It. I got it. <laughs> Thank you for Is that. Really? Yeah. yeah. If you're listening and you're wondering what's happening, apparently I've got a spider in my hair, but we're, we're okay, And I'm actually quite scared of spiders too, so I just put myself on the line for you. It's actually very tiny, though. But, but can you imagine, though... I'm spider. trying to bring right. you back in here. Sorry. Can you imagine if... um. If you were in an environment where you were discouraged in that area, yeah, and um, sort of effectively, what we're saying is, can you make your life s- smaller or, mm. or or fit in our lane? Mm. It would be quite damaging, wouldn't it? And and you and I know people who, you know, seriously well known mainstream artists that that probably was their story, mm. and in effect left the church to go and mm. become rock stars and pop stars mm. and you know amazing people mm. who love god still but mm. um you know it's sad isn't it yeah um but, and, and, we, and we just sort of hope that there'll be a world where that doesn't happen again yeah and you know full credit to um you know darlene and and people like joel and his mum and dad who um that, I mean, I don't think it ever crossed their mind. No, they like, got it, didn't they? They were just like, well, yeah. why would you... Because for, for me as well, it was like if I was an incredible baker, which, you know, used yeah. to, used to you know, dabble in meringue. But, um, <laughs> uh, but I, you know, if I was an incredible baker, um, one, of the, one of the things that I would do to serve the church is I would bake and bring things to, to help serve in the lobby. Like if I was a, a furniture mover, I'd help put out the chairs. And yeah. so... Um, for me, it was never as nuanced and complicated as other people had made it. It was more like I, I God has asked me to do uh, this music, this actual mainstream music to people who will never walk into a church, um, and um, and this is something I can do. So, so if if they're asking me to serve in this way, um, like why wouldn't I do that? It was just very simple and very mm. practical. Yeah. And I was also, a, you know, a volunteer. It wasn't a vocational thing. It wasn't like a, a gig on the side. Like just we were, all of us had, you know, different jobs through the week and would come together on Sundays and, and serve the house of God. It yeah. really wasn't more complicated than that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and and still still isn't, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. No, I love that. I love that. So look, you're, you're an incredibly busy artist. You're all around the world doing stuff all the time, making records, on tour a lot. Uh, but you've got people at home. Uh, tell us about Scotty. Where, where did you first meet Scotty? Oh, my gosh. Your, so fir- your husband. Yeah. So I first met Scott at the barbecue. I was talking about okay, the notorious the same barbecue. barbecue yeah. The same barbecue, 2004, March 2004, I think it was. And, um, and he, you know, that man changed my life and continues to change my life and I I do marvel at um at God's sovereignty and the way he orchestrates things because mm-hmm. if if like I don't think like Scotty is so much better than me in every way and I 
And it is honestly true that if I think if I had married somebody else, I wouldn't. God knew that I needed Scotty to walk in the fullness of what he what he had assigned for me to do on the earth. And perhaps I pray vice versa. But Scotty and I together, um, like I, I'm I'm very naturally more monastic mm. and more introverted and retreating. And I, it's honestly there I couldn't even count the times that I have um, wanted to give up yeah, or just yeah. like this is it this is it's the co- the cost is enormous um, but it's I feel like it's um, I married a man who will not let us live out our days on earth without doing everything the Lord has asked yeah. of us no matter what it costs yeah. and it's cost a lot in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah. And so I, I honor my husband because he um, he has had the faith uh, and the strength to keep us on that knife edge. Mm. And also he's so brilliant at what he does. Most people would have no idea that a lot of the, the things they've seen that I've been involved in and especially everything in this kind of last season of life with God asking us to step out and make this album seven and um, and the stuff we've done subsequently, like everything you see visually has Scotty's touch on it. He's an yeah. incredible, um, really the way I feel like the Lord gives me songs. And he's also a songwriter as well. He's written probably a lot mm. of the songs that you know and love, both everything from King of Kings um, to Something in the Water. <laughs> he's, yeah, you know, amazing. his his yeah. fingerprints and his creativity yeah. and his his prophetic uh, vision um, is is everywhere. Him yeah. and I are a, a partnership and we really do everything together. And we also made these two little humans who are yeah. wildly amazing yeah. and kick my butt. Yeah. Like I'm trying not so, to have so that. So two case, kids, like how, how's that doing all of this and being a mum and a husband? You know, how, how does all that work? Yeah, it's, I just, um, well, I am really grateful for people like you and Anna. Um, that we can just look to and um, go. How did you do? How did you do this part? Yeah, but you know what? Like, and, and thank you for that. But I think what's unique to your situation mm. is that you're you're the mum, but you're getting on stage. Mm. So our role was a bit more traditional in that sense of, you know, the guy going out and working and doing stage and then. But for you, it's a whole n- different paradigm of, you know, you you're. You're a wife, and that's hard enough, anyway, isn't it? Being a husband and a wife, then then you've got to lead these amazing kids. Mm. Um, then you've got to make records. Then you've got to write songs. You've got to then get out stage, and then you become that public person mm. as well. So, I think it is different mm. for a woman. Mm. I think it, for me, looking on it, it seems um, that's an incredible commitment to make mm. that work. And I see that we carry Job too. Mm. Um, it's just hardcore. Mm. So I I applaud you for that. You're very kind. But, you know, obviously we're making, I'm making a ton of mistakes and we're trying to course correct as you go because also your kids change. Like it feels like every few months there's a a different aspect to their personality or they're struggling with something. I mean, our kids are still little, but, um, you know, we've had a big, you know, year um, changing hemispheres and uh, to, to be near and serve uh, one of our parents who who got a terminal diagnosis and then then them subsequently like passing away and um, so and then you know a lot of stuff happening in our community and just it's been a, a kind of a constellation of trauma in a lot of ways but um, what I'm so grateful for is that in the midst of all that um, I feel like God has been so merciful to our family mm. and that our foursome 
are good. Yeah. And if we're good, like everything else is going to be okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I don't think people would realise. People only see the great stuff, don't they? They yeah. see the, the public bit of getting up the accolades, the, the songs and the rewards and stuff mm. like that. But, um, you know, the, the cost mm. to it is great. Mm. But that's not like in a sob, sob or victim way. Mm. It's just there is a great cost to it because yeah. you're away all the time. Um, you, you've got to think of other human beings mm. in your life. You know, I know you struggle with sleeping on the road. Mm. All these things come into play when you're then trying to like lead mm. people in a moment mm. and you know it's it's a hard balance sometimes mm. isn't it yeah yeah it is it's 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 huge but it's also the most important responsibility i have is to make sure that um because i also wouldn't do i would be doing my kids a disservice if i quit everything and just stayed home um yeah. and and so we you know, and the, then God's so good. I mean, I was on tour a few months ago and I had this travel day when I was by myself and um, I really felt like the Lord kind of spoke to me about some things about our family and um, and kind of gave me some parameters um, to implement and adhere to, which I kind of chatted to Dom about and then, you know, chatted to obviously Scotty about. But when I when I got home, I realized, oh, you were preparing me because now I you've, you gave me the you gave us the strategy for this season yeah. um, right before I was aware I was going to become very aware that we needed it. So um, you know, and so consequently, it means I do say no to a lot of things, but yeah. it's not because I'm. I think I think one of the keys for me in this season um, has been needing to ask of the Lord, like, what have you assigned me to? Yeah. Because we could all, you know, whether you're, you know, in quote unquote vocational ministry or not, um, we're all in, if we, if you are a follower of Jesus, we all, our, our lives are purposed and um, our lives, are, our very lives are ministry, right? So, but there's always going to be a million, you could fill your calendar mm. with good and noble things every moment of every day. Yeah. But, um, but I am not Jesus. Yeah. Uh, nor are you. Nor is anyone listening. But we um, we carry Jesus, and He, in turn, purposes for us uh, to serve um, specific needs, situations, conversations, communities, mm. moments. And so, the really important question that I need to ask of myself is, um, Lord, what have you assigned me? Too. Because then it means when I say no to things, I, I don't have to feel guilty about it because I know if God hasn't assigned me to it, He's actually assigned someone else. Yes. So I'm not leaving somebody in the lurch. Mm. I'm serve. I'm I'm actually serving His purpose. Because if I was to go somewhere where I actually wasn't supposed to be, mm. um, I I wouldn't be serving what God's will was for that place. Yeah. Um, and so so it's 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 tricky. But I think I'm constantly Scotty and I both and Dom constantly going. Um, you know, Lord, Lord, where do you want us? Yeah, um, and we know you'll give us peace and peace and provision for yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, I've been uh, like Dr. Charles Stanley says, you know, trust, uh, obey God, and uh, and leave all the consequences to Him. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the only way you find that out sometimes is by getting it wrong a few times, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. Going to things, you think, oh no, what am I doing yeah. here? Like, and I, you just realise you don't have the grace for yeah, it. Yeah, and and exactly that. Not in a bad way. Mm. It's not their fault. It's just, yeah. uh, like I shouldn't. I, and then something usually happens at home. 
you yes. know, something goes wrong or one of the kids is sick or, I mean, it's amazing. But I know that, you know, in, in our church world, we talk a lot about words like anointed, blessing, calling, which is what people see, mm. you know, like someone like yourself. Obviously, you could attribute all those words to you. You know, it's so clear to us that you're all those things. But what I love about you, what people don't see often is the dedication, like to your craft. And that's a whole bit of your life that is unseen. You know, I see you dedicated to the songs, you know, hours and hours and hours going round and round and round songs, lyrics then it's like the making of the record. It's not just like, oh, yeah, let's just show up to a studio and book a, you know, a band. And, you, know, <laughs> you, you know, it's like hours and hours of thinking about how to do that well, the sonics, the drum room, where you do it, how you film it. Um, even today, I know you're checking a mix that Sam sent through to check, and you're like, oh, the tambourine's a little bit out of time. Or So you, you're incredibly detailed mm. in that how... How does one stop themselves going mad, mm. you know, it, when you're carrying all that stuff in your head? Mm. Uh, it's Well, it's a hard thing to ask me this question because, like, the studio and music is, like, my happiest place. Yeah. Um, like, I, I feel God's pleasure in the details. Yeah. Like Eric Liddell talked about, he, felt, he feels God's pleasure when he runs, like, I feel God's pleasure when I'm doing a vocal comp. Mm. And I know that sounds so lame, but I, um, I, 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 I sense God's pleasure, yeah. like, in, in the details. Yeah. I sense uh, God's, God's pleasure in um, the intricacy of what a, a, a syllable sung 5% differently can mm. communicate about his glory. Oh, I love that. Um, and, and so it's not about uh, any type of perfectionism, like... I'm, I, I'm, when I'm doing a vocal comp or I'm, you know, sitting with an engineer and editing or with Jason kind of listening through things, I'm... Jason I'm, Ingram, right? In, sorry, Jason yeah, Ingram. Another hero yes, of ours. Jason yeah. Ingram, who um, I cannot, you know, say enough um, beautiful and true things about. He has uh, been a, a true um, partner to Scotty and I in this season of, of stepping out in faith and... I am so uh, honoured and blessed by his friendship and partnership and all of this. He's just, he amazes me constantly. But mm. when, we're, when we're working, I, I, um, I just, I sense God's pleasure yeah. in, in creating these things yeah. um, and paying attention to these details. It's not yeah. like, what can we get away with? It's like, how can we use every note and frequency uh, and velocity of a snare hit um, to publish with as great an accuracy as possible how wonderful and beautiful yeah. Our, yeah. our God is. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. We could talk about that all yeah. day. Um, now, something I think will be interesting, I'd love to get your thoughts on is, okay, so like last two decades or maybe three decades, the church around the world, the thing we know and love as church, the thing that we love being a part of, mm. has exploded. Mm. You know, even sort of in mainstream press or whatever, you know, we've gone from tiny, tiny churches mm. all around the world with 100 people in, mm. and then there's been this phenomenon of, like, the big thing, 
Mm. You know, and people call it the mega church or whatever. Uh, but, you know, all around the world, people building big buildings. And in a sense, when I look back, we were a big part of that growth in, in terms of we started to write songs for those big rooms, you know, anthems and things that not just 50 people could sing, but 10,000 people in a room. Um, and, of course, that there have been so many amazing things about that. Um, but there, now I listen to my own teenagers. I mm. think of Ruby, who's 18. Who's incredible. She, <laughs> she has a different view of it all, you know. Mm. She's, I guess you'd call she, she's a Gen Z or, or in the UK we say Gen Z, but that's not as cool. Um, about being seen. You know, I want to be seen. I want to be part of something small. I want to be part mm. of a community where I know everybody. Mm. I want to know my pastor. I want to know... Um, Brooke, where the heck, where, where, where's it going? Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and, and let me throw in something else. <laughs> this amazing uh, thing is going on in Asbury. You know, start. We've all heard about. Call it a revival, mm. whatever you want to call it. Amazing move of God's spirit on a campus, a university campus in Kentucky. Suddenly, teenagers are meeting with God in a very amazing way. You would call it revival, perhaps. Um, but, of course, I love the way people talk about it. Oh, you know, I've been there. It's so simple. It's an out-of-tune guitar with a keyboard, doing a lot of older songs as mm. well. How do you, you know, does that mean we all do that now? Um, you know, and, and, and even people attaching the word pure. Mm to that oh that's more pure than what we've been doing for the last two mm. decades what are your thoughts on all of that like what what is it what is pure worship holy spirit <laughs> <laughs> help me man looks at appearances but god looks at the heart hmm we try and we th we think too highly of ourselves mm. when we are prideful enough to think that we might judge the purity of another's worship. Mm. I am called to judge the purity of no one else's worship, but to ask myself what is the offering that I will bring to him. Mm. Um, yeah, I love that. Sailor. <laughs> yeah, I love it because it's impossible, isn't it, to mm. attach the word purity to a style of music. Mm. It's not, you know, that's like saying R&B is impure yeah. or, or pop music is impure. It, you know, like it's about people, isn't it? It's mm. about people in their hearts. Mm -hmm. And so I'll, I'll always be an advocate for celebrating what people are great at mm. and then god 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 inhabits that space mm. doesn't he inhabits the praises of his people yeah. whatever style yeah and also culturally we've traveled enough to know mm. well what's happening in africa or china yeah. or um you know south america mm. well that's different to what we're doing on a sunday mm. but that doesn't mean that's right or wrong or yeah. better it's just 
God, God will inhabit whatever, mm. wherever there's purity and a pure heart and mm. people that love God. So I hope there's that balance, you know. Mm. Let's, I, let's be a people who celebrate wherever Jesus is welcomed because isn't that the only thing that matters? Where is Jesus being earnestly desired mm. and truly hungered for and welcomed? And let's celebrate that. And that's going to look like um, every different kind of expression. Is like you said, we've you know had the blessing of being able to travel and be in you mm. know churches and in uh, huts with dirt floors. Yeah. Um, I remember one of the most incredible experiences I've had in the presence of God was in uh, a church in a. a, a, a the side of a mountain in a, a cave um, carved out of the side of a mountain in Ethiopia, mm. like 1,200 feet in elevation. Um, there was no music at all, mm. um, but the, you could not escape the worship. The walls dripped with it yeah. um, to, to an incredible sound system with an LED screen yeah. and there being visuals that have been created in purpose and are being operated in that moment unto the glory of God. Yeah. My, my, just because I, you know, open a mouth and there's a mic, my mouth and there's a microphone in front of it and I use breath, uh, that is not more worshipful than um, somebody who is passionate about harnessing visual beauty Mm. to publish Christ's glory. Yeah. being able to illuminate and move that onto a screen and do that in a different way. So I think we just, like I said, let's, let's celebrate where, wherever and however Jesus is welcomed. Yeah. 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 yeah no, I love that. I love that. Um, I want to ask you about songs mm. because songs seem to be a massive part of what we do at church world. People go to church every Sunday. They want to sing songs. And I think of, again, Darlene, mm. you know, Shout to the Lord, a game-changing song mm. for the world. Matt Redman, 10,000 Reasons. Mm. Sinatch, Waymaker. Mm. Tim Hughes, Here I Am to Worship. All, yeah. all these incredible moments. Um, and, I, you know, I think of Carrie and Cody with mm. the Blessing song. Mm. They're like bombs, aren't they, that mm-hmm. sort of get set off. And, but, hey, this song, What a Beautiful Name. Like that is one of the most important songs in the in the history of the last forty fifty years, probably in the the sort of gamut of songs in the worship movement. I mean, what you know? How how did that end up being put in your hands? That song. You know what's what's interesting about all the songs that you just mentioned is, um, I don't think anybody who wrote those songs was ever thinking this is going to be sung by no. a lot of people. No, because a, a lot of those people you just mentioned are our friends, so we know yeah. that they just wrote that song to the Lord. Yeah. It's often them in a guitar, them in a piano, yeah. them unto the Lord, you know. Um, I think God breathes on whatever the heck he breathes on. Yeah. Um, he want, He does whatever he wants. That's mm. why he's God. Um, and he can't be manipulated. Uh, you can't um, manipulate God into blessing the song that you write. It's mm. not how it works. Yeah. Um, but... but um, so all that to say, I have no idea. Um, it, you know, Ben Fielding. So Ben and I wrote that song and it was not, um, you know, written with a, a lightning strike and an angelic choir singing. We were in the most like 
uninspiring cubicle with fluorescent writing mm. in a corner of an office building. Yeah. Um, and when 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 that song was written, and um, our hope when we wrote it was just that it would be a blessing to to our church. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which was the only you know which was always. Um, why we ever kind of wrote songs together to bring into our community was, you know, what's God doing in our community? Um, what is what what could serve what God is doing in in our campus, in our community of people? And then he, you know, he mm. gets to do what it, God gets to do whatever he wants. And so um, I feel, you know, that that was a, a trust given to us, and we've we've tried to um, steward that uh, to His glory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how how has it changed your life, that song? Uh, I don't know. Because it has, it has, isn't it? I mean, looking from the outside, songs do do open doors for people. Like, it, you know, they they become defining points in people's mm. lives where opportunities come. You know, there's royalties. There's all all these things that we would talk offline about. You know, in a sort of a caring, how how you all doing with all of that sort of way, but um, it it's it's amazing, isn't it? That it's it's very rare for people to experience that hmm. in the musical world. Yeah, I just always think it's not about me. Like, it's not about me. What 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 does God want to do with it? Yeah. Um, how how can I just keep bringing the conversation? Back to Jesus. So yeah. That's what. Matt, that's actually what's gonna. Um, yeah. The 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 song is just a. Uh, um, hopefully a bridge that people can. Yeah. Use, to to kind of walk across and have their own moment with God. Like that's what it's about. Yeah. And whether that happens, a hundred times, whether it happens a billion times. Yeah. Um. Like is it has it's it is, it's about um. Jesus and how wonderful he is, and yeah. that's it. Oh, yeah. and, that, and that's why we all adore you, isn't it? Um, you're amazing. But hey, look, we're coming to the end. I haven't even gotten to ask you questions. No, no, yet. no, don't, no, don't do that. <laughs> we're coming to the end. I've, I've got an interesting. I hope it's an interesting okay. question. Okay. Uh, not that I'm a very experienced podcaster, but have you got any um, non-musical dreams? You know, ideas that you think, oh, I'd love to do that one. Mm. You know, like totally outside of all the music thing, the church. Mm. Is there any sort of things that people would be surprised about thinking, oh, I didn't know Brooke was into that or had a hobby in that or Mm. had the dream for that? I think eventually um, when it would be like a responsible use of my time, which at the moment it it wouldn't, um, but I would love to study one day. Wow. Yeah. I would love to. Um, I really love, I don't know why I'm getting emotional. I love the Bible so much. Yeah. Um, it's changed my life and it still changes my life. And I want to be able to um, know it as much as I can, yeah. um, but not know it in like a prideful way. But I want to be able to communicate it mm. better. Yeah. Because, um, this word is living and active. Like my lyrics actually aren't. I try and pack my lyrics with as much of this scripture saturation as I can. But um, the the um, you know I think about not, and I'm not 
even like I'm not I'll just talk and then hopefully you can decipher <laughs> with what I'm trying to say but yeah. you know we are I'm super aware um, that um, we're we're in a season where a lot of the grandfathers of um, the faith in our generation are uh, passing away um, passing into heaven just in the past couple months um, Dr. Charles Stanley's gone to be with the Lord um, just now basically Dr. Tim Keller mm. and um, these incredible uh, minds um, of the faith um, I'm really encouraged by um, a lot of the, the 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 teachers who are starting to come up through the church um, I actually am really inspired by there's a hip hop artist actually called KB who um, is really, we were just at a conference together last week and I just, every time he opened his mouth, I just thanked God because I was like, thank you Lord for the, just this, the, the speed of the connection between his mind and yeah. this study he's been really intentional about and wow. his heart and his mouth. Yeah. I'm like, we need, um, we need, we are in the times that we are living in, we need uh, a generation of leaders who are able to mm. communicate this living word accurately yeah. um, and I don't remotely pretend to put myself in that league but I just know I would like to communicate this as accurately um, and uh, and uh, so doc, Dr. Brooke <laughs> I don't know about that I'm not that smart um, but I just I, love I would that, love that yeah anyway to answer your question one day um, maybe when my kids are grown I would love um, to study yeah, yeah, no, I could, I could see that. I mean, anything you put your hand to and mind to will be, will be amazing. And you know, even mentioning that rapper, like that's an example, isn't it? Of you know, that's the opposite end of the Asbury spectrum, mm. but someone who's living in his lane. And, yes, and you know, I've got a friend in the UK, brilliant rapper, Governor B. Again, he's he's it's totally different lane, but yeah. he's born to do what he's doing and it's mm. incredible mm. you know so i think that's the key isn't it for creative people is realizing what you're born to do stay mm. in that lane mm. be authentic be mm. yourself and hold everything up yeah. for the glory of god yeah and then and then then watch the fire burn right absolutely and then and it's amazing seeing that in other people and i just want you to know that you know anna and i you know we've always admired you um, obviously as an artist, as a writer, creative, a technician, detailed person, a dreamer, but having the privilege to be, uh, you know, at your house or you coming over or just becoming friends has been even more impressive. And, you know, we, we love you as a family very much. And um, I just think the future is amazing, isn't it? Mm. it, it this is literally the beginning i mean mm. the sky is the limit for mm. you there's going to be more and more songs more records more projects so i'm excited to see all that is going to come out of you and it's going to be incredible i think you're setting the pace honestly i think you're setting the benchmark for anybody that looks in and wants to do this i would say we'll just look at brooke and that that's that's the level isn't it so thanks for coming on um, this is amazing and what a privilege to have you uh, you know on this and, and just speaking together and again we love you very much thanks a lot do I say anything what do no. I say no oh. we're done okay
<laughs> <laughs> wow.